Topia, a show for the Monero community where all are welcome to join. From noob to maxi, no matter what bags you hold. Just sit back and relax to the sweet sounds of Monero's latest progress. Or if you're feeling inspired, join us on stage. Remember, the only thing that can stop Monero is a false belief that it can be stopped. And if you want to win the revolution faster, we recommend you remove your XMR from all custodial exchanges immediately. Warning, boating accidents are common around here. Don't forget to properly secure your private keys. Monerotopia starts now. All right. Good morning, Tux. Good morning. How are you doing? I know I know you got a busy day today. I do, in, yeah. In your yeah. non-narrow life. Uh, so we, we'll try to uh, make the show quick, right? Let's so many things, guys. So many things. Um, but we'll try to keep it to an hour. I don't think that's like that hasn't happened in quite some time, but we'll see what we can do. So without no guest today, so what's that? No guest today, so yeah, no guest today. That should shorten things a little bit. Uh, we got somebody new doing the dev report, um, and yeah, everything else is should be the same. Any announcements? I don't think so, right? Uh, no, not that I know of. All right, let's jump into it. Price report. All right, let's go. Do it. The Monerotopia Price Report segment is sponsored by Local Monero. Avoid using KYC exchanges. Buy and sell Monero directly for fiat, peer-to-peer. Yeah, yeah. I always forget to unmute. It's like the one thing I always forget to do. So uh, how's it going? Good morning. Good, man. How you doing? Good. Just um, actually, uh, you're... The thing you asked me to cover yesterday kind of inspired me to fix up some of my scripts that were not, um, they weren't as good as they could have been, uh, particularly with the rates and uh, looking at recessions and stuff like that. So, and we talked about global liquidity like a couple months ago, and I promised that I'd kind of build a script to do that. So I did that night too. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm excited to hear what you came up with. Cool. So I'll try and uh, speed uh, power through this. So we had the CPI numbers last week and... It was like kind of a mixed bag. The The producer price index came up in blue. The CPI bumped up, uh, and that's basically the inflation of everything combined together. But the core inflation came down. And um, the reason for this is likely because oil prices, energy prices have been higher, and core inflation doesn't include food and energy. So um, the core inflation continues to go down, which is kind of good because it's the more sticky one. Um, but CPIs come up. There's a Fed meeting next week, and the expectation across the board is they're going to hold rates steady. That seems to make sense. Again, I think I see weakness in the market, um, so it would make sense to me that they're going to hold rates steady, try and you know hope for the best for inflation. Um, we also saw the unemployment numbers tick up just a little bit, and that's in a way that's kind of a good thing because that will help to get inflation under control. But in a way, that's kind of a bad thing because unemployment is one of these things that's associated with recession. Um, so as unemployment ticks up, that that um, sort of puts us into recession. So it's um, we'll talk about how they define recession here in a minute. Uh, we'll get to that. Uh, we'll cover all the usual stuff first, like the macro. Uh, so the ten year ten year yield here is is looking like it uh, like it wants to move up. Where you know it's kind of hit that hit that resistance there, and then it's hitting that again. So I mean, you you kind of expect like, okay, could it do this? Sure. Um, it could also just kind of decide to break out next week. So. Um, 10 year yield is looking like it's ready to go, uh, at least to me. And look at uh, dollar index. Uh, dollar index has continued to rise. 
Um, it's interesting to me that the dollar index has been rising as the stock market has still kind of been like hovering near its all-time highs. Um, so that's kind of a trend that had happened at the beginning of the last bear market where the dollar index had like made a really big move to the upside and yet the stock market was making all-time highs. Um, the only thing that's different about that is that we've got the reverse repos um, have been coming down. We've been seeing money leave the reverse repos. Now, what we're going to do actually is combine this information because um, we can also look at other things um, like the Fed balance sheet. So it would be better if we could just combine everything to understand the broad picture of liquidity, which we're going to do. Um, gold hasn't moved much, just kind of flat, just hanging out. Um, to me, this actually looks like strength because the reality is that the dollar has been rising significantly, but gold has been doing a pretty good job of holding its own, um, which is gold multiplied by the dollar index, which we've talked about before. So uh, realistically, I mean, gold has been doing pretty good. And um, this is a rising triangle. Usually you would say these break down, um, but I don't think that's going to be the case. I think it's going to break up. Uh, you could still expect this thing to go into 2024 um, before it breaks to the upside. But, <clears throat> you know, I do think it's it's probably getting closer. Let's see. Okay, let's, did we cover everything? Hang on a second. Fed meeting. Yes, you average. Okay. Uh, okay, so what I realized with the uh, the big overview, overview yield chart that I showed you guys um, was that I was kind of using the wrong indicators. I was using kind of like the PLEB US 10-year um, that you would find on, um, I think it's TVC. It, like, so there's different providers. There are different people that publish uh, numbers and information. And then TradingView just takes that information. Um, you know, they have some kind of API, they pull that data, and then they present it to you in charts. And the problem was I wasn't using the actual um, like Fed numbers. Like, so they call it DGS1. That's the one-year yield. Uh, DGS10, that's the 10-year yield. That's what they use on the Federal Reserve website. And so what I realized is that I wasn't actually using that. And because of that, I wasn't really getting the full picture. Uh, we need to zoom out here. There we go. So the full picture goes back to about 1962. Um, I think in reality, the 10-year goes back even further than that, but there's probably something, there's probably some special reason why the Fed doesn't report it back any further than this. So at any rate, um, the colors of the lines have changed just a little bit. I added a few extra ones. Basically, we're going from the three-month, six-month, one, two, five, 10, 20, and 30-year um, treasuries. And then obviously the uh, in white here is the overnight lending rate. Uh, and then on bottom, as we have had before, is the um, the overall inversion. So just to give you an idea of, of what this looks like. Um, oh, that's the wrong one. All right, treasury spread. So just to give you an idea of what this looks like, we're basically pulling all of the different um, security timeframes. And then we're there's kind of two lines we're doing here. The longest line in light pink is basically all of the yields that we have, which is uh, the 1, 5, 10, and 20. That's, that goes all the way back to 1962, but the Fed started adding new yield products um, like the 30-year and the, I think the three-month and the six-month came around like 1977, 1981, around that time frame. So what we do is after after those were added, looks like 1981, they were all added. I kind of like got lazy because some were added in 1977 and then 81, so I just said, okay, screw it only do the big calculation from 81. So basically we're taking all the spreads um, and then adding them all together and then and then taking their average. So that, that gives us like the big, big, big picture picture of what's happening with the yield curve inversion. And um, so the point of this chart that you can see like, okay, on, on the um, on the uh, shorter term, you can kind of see the yield spreads all, all in different colors, right? The shorter term are kind of lighter colors um, and they move up to these darker blue. Uh, and then the red is obviously the, uh, the inversion. So what you can see is that um, technically we were actually more inverted, like crazy, crazy inverted um, in the late 70s and early 80s, like right around 1980. 
Um, so we haven't quite gotten there yet, but what we have is unprecedented unprecedented um, for, I guess that would be like 50 years now. So, which is interesting, you know, because people talk about the bond, the bond bull market, the 50 year bond bull market. And obviously how in 1971, it's, you know, fairly closely associated with severing of the gold standard. So what we're really looking at here, I'm going to, I'm going to um, turn some of these off because it's uh, cluttered, way too cluttered. We'll keep the overnight uh, federal funds rate on the board. Okay. And then we're going to turn on U.S. recessions. So Effectively, we just I just want to show you that U.S. recessions have been associated with yield curve inversions. They follow yield curve inversions going back basically as, as far as we can look just about. Um, I guess recessions go back farther, but um, the, the yield chart doesn't go back farther. OK, so you'll notice that this yield curve inversion that happened in, uh, in like 1970 was followed by a recession. Again, yield curve inversion followed by a recession. Same thing here. Actually, two of them. Right. So it went really negative came back, had a recession, came back, uh, inverted again, and then had yet another recession. Um, slightly almost kind of there, but that's so delayed, you might say that's not really correlation. Uh, again here um, in obviously 2000, and then again in 2000. Uh, and so yeah, these yield curve inversions are like historically bad, bad, bad for, for having recessions. So let's talk about what is a recession. Um, it's not like, so people the cheeky way to say it or the, the kind of common misconception is that it's two quarters of negative GDP growth. And that's not really what it is. I mean, often that can be the case and often those will overlap, but they look at a lot of different things. Um, they look at the unemployment rate. They look at the like what's actually um, like, uh, I don't know, payrolls. They look across like a, a broad um, sampling and metric of the economy. And it's they, they say like they even admit that they don't have um, a specific way of saying when we're in a recession that they kind of like, you'll know it when you see it, I guess. Um, so it's like, OK, maybe you had some negative GDP growth recently, for example, but the unemployment rate was really, really low. So um, that factors into things, um, you know, and stock markets are doing good. I don't think they actually factor the stock markets in. Um, so a recession is really, a, it's a broad sampling of a bunch of different metrics. I don't know, I think like non-farm payrolls and um, stuff like that, um, overall payrolls, um, salary, things like that. So uh, very broad sampling. So um, yeah, I mean, the the video that you showed me, Doug, I mean, he made a compelling case. He's like, listen, historically, this is basically almost always correlated. Um, yield curve inversion has basically almost always been correlated with a recession to follow. And a recession almost always means stock market go down. So, um, you know, he says, if you're going to say that's not the case, then you really need to bring compelling data. So, um, you know, it, it might not be enough just to say, hey, reverse repos, it's different this time. Uh, we can maintain this yield curve inversion. I do think it is a little bit different this time because of the reverse repos. I think that is kind of a big data point. I think it's really important. Um, but that doesn't, mean that that's the full picture. And, um, you know, it, it does intuitively just in my mind, like what does price have to do? It does seem like this is too far, too fast. Price needs to pull back. It needs to like be healthy and establish a lower range and not just shoot to the upside. Because if it does, like we're looking at inflation again, that's like, that's kind of in my mind, that's a big driver of inflation, people's mad gains on risk assets. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's one of the things I wanted to look at. Let's take a look at where did I put it? Okay. Yeah. Let, let's take a look at the stock market uh, in terms of recession. We're going to mute the global liquidity for a moment because uh, we're still talking about recession. So this is what the stock market looks like um, for the past, let's just say since um, on the same order of time frame that we were looking at. Maybe we can zoom out one more notch here. There we go. Um, so yeah, you can see that basically, okay, recession, stock market go down, recession starts, stock market down. Even, um, 
even like right here, a little recession, stock market down, stock market down. Same thing there. Obviously, the dot-com bust, which is kind of funny because like the recession apparently only happened for a short time frame and then everything was good. I don't know. Probably them fudging the numbers. They love to do that. Recession, 2008, big recession, long recession, lasted like almost two years. Uh, and then a little itty-bitty recession here for the for the word that shall not be mentioned. Um, okay, so... That, that was like, that's one way of looking at it. You can say, okay, recession basically typically means that, um, that stocks, Hello? but there's, there's oh. one more, go ahead, man. Oh, we lost you for a sec. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Um, so yeah, recession typically means stock market go down, which is why, you know, I mean, that's, an, we should, we should really try to understand historically when could recessions happen. So the other thing that, that, um, that we talked about earlier. So, you know, guys, I will look at the, the reverse repos and we'll look at the fed balance sheet and, um, We'll look at the M2 money supply, even though that data is kind of delayed. And the reality is that um, it's better if you can combine all that data into one aggregate picture of liquidity, right? Because what are we looking at? When we say, hey, reverse repos are going down, which means money's coming out of the reverse repo market, that means that money's going somewhere. Um, is it maybe repaying debt? Is it going to the stock market, going to the bond market, going into crypto? Probably not, but maybe. Um, so... And then, you know, when we're looking at the Fed balance sheet, if they're expanding their balance sheet, that means banks are putting more reserves onto there. The Federal Reserve is printing money. They're buying assets, right? The expansion of the Fed balance sheet in broad measure means that liquidity is being added to the general market, which means that there's extra cash slushing around. And that cash is going to go somewhere, which is typically risk assets, especially when everyone knows that, um, that liquidity is being added to the market in general. Uh, people go for risk assets because they, you know, they can take the loans, right? The, the money's cheap. So really what we want to do is combine all that information into really one simple met metric that's easier for our monkey brains to understand and hopefully has some kind of correlation that we can fool ourselves might actually exist um, to give us a better picture of what's happening. So this is what this chart is. We're looking at the S&P 500 on the candles. In the green, we have actually what we'll do here is we'll just silence the global net liquidity. So in the green, um, this is United States uh net liquidity, at least how I see it. Um, basically, it just includes the United States balance sheets, uh, the M2SL and the reverse repo. So the M2SL, unfortunately, is a delayed reporting by the United States. Everyone else seems to report it fairly frequently, but the United States is delayed by like, it's a month to a month and a half sometimes before we'll get the picture. So like right now, we don't we don't know what the M2SL looks like for September. We probably just got the like August 1st numbers, right? So we're like, we're delayed by like six weeks here already. Um, but okay, I just tell it, just assume, I, I tell the, the chart here to assume that number um, up until the present date, even though we're going to find out that's a different number in the future. But, um, you know, for lack of a better way of, of doing this, there's probably some kind of estimate out there. I, I couldn't, I have not been able to find like a Wednesday level on the, on the federal reserve balance sheet or sorry, the, it's called the St. Louis federal reserve. Um, I don't know. They put like all of the statistics out. They publish like all of this data. So um, anyways, this is like the net liquidity. And as the net liquidity goes up, you'll kind of notice that it goes up sort of along with the stock market. Um, you'll notice there's kind of a cutoff here, and that's probably when they started reporting the Wednesday level on the Federal Reserve balance sheet. Um, I need to, I can fix that. I can make this go back further. Anyways, you'll notice that that basically as liquidity expands, 
um, it's highly correlated with the stock market. So you'll see that, uh, like, for example, net liquidity sort of leveled off. And what happened? The stock market thought it was going to continue going up. And then it's like, oh, hmm, it's starting to level off. So it kind of like stayed there, hoping, hoping. And then it's like, nope. And then it took a big dump. Uh, also, that was associated with what the Federal Reserve was talking about at the time, um, you know, the tamper tantrum and all that. So anyways, um, you know, the stock market is kind of like very optimistic in general. People just know that the Fed's going to keep the stock market rolling. So eventually, um, you know, we had this, uh, you know, the thing that will not shall be not be mentioned uh, in March of 2020. And then liquidity just massively expanded and we had a market expansion that went with. So right now, what we've actually had for most of this time is the U.S. liquidity has been dropping. Um, even after like a rebound had started to be made. But remember, the stock market does tend to be highly optimistic. And in the absence of like a nuclear bomb threat, um, you know, like the the nuclear problem that was the housing mortgages uh, in 2008, like in the absence of some or the dot com bust, in the absence of some major, major problem, it doesn't like to crash 50 percent. You know, it'll crash like 15, 25, maybe 30 percent. But it doesn't like to really just have the bottom fall out because people are quite optimistic and they tend to know that the Fed's got their back in most all cases. So, um you know, the stock market, I think, took this optimistic bounce, maybe a little bit ahead of, ahead of schedule. So this is where we want to look at global liquidity because it helps us to understand the picture. So let's take a look at the at the formula down here just so I can get this right. Um, the global liquidity is taking all of the M2 money supply of the different nations, like of the basically like the top 15 nations that make up 99% of the global economy. Um, and then also the... Um, uh, their balance sheets as well. So we're talking China, USD, Eurozone, Japan, uh, Great British Pound, Korean Won, Cana uh, Canadian, good enough, Hong Kong, Brazil, uh, Taiwan, Australia, Swiss, uh, Sweden, Russia, and Mexico. So um, that's what this is all composed of. And that's what we're looking at here. And you'll notice that interestingly enough, there is a little bit more correlation. I would actually almost posit that the correlation with global uh, liquidity because global liquidity includes the US dollar plus what the rest of the nations are doing. So um, in my mind, the correlation here is actually really, really good. It's it's better than um, it's much better than than just looking at the US alone overall. It, it's still important that we look at the US by itself because right now we can see that the US liquidity is actually rising and that money is going to almost certainly stay in the US. Like it's very likely that money will stay in the US. So this is probably giving a little bit of support to the market right here is that is that the US liquidity is actually kind of going up. Um, but we'll mute that again just for the moment. And you can see that basically, um, yeah, we've got this, we've, we've had the net liquidity going up. It was, you know, again, the stock market sort of optimistically bounced. I think a lot of that was also related to the Federal Reserve. Remember back in September, October, um, you had like the Bank of England kind of did a little bond rescue, kind of like the United States did in March this year. Uh, the Bank of England did that last year. And um, and then one of the Fed presidents was like, yeah, well, maybe we'll think about, you know, we should maybe pause the interest rates. It's, you know, it, uh, we've been rising a lot. Maybe we'll pause. And that bounced the stock market sort of ahead of the global liquidity expand. So anyways, there is a good correlation here. Global liquidity is going down. That would signal downside pressure for the stock market. Um, so. That's, uh, you know, that's that's really a, kind of a, in a nutshell, looking at the rates, looking at recessions, looking at global liquidity and how that relates to stock markets. So hopefully that's uh, hopefully that uh, meets your expectations in your Doug. Yeah, <laughs> fantastic, man. Fantastic. I may have to rewatch it again. Uh, There's a lot of information. Yeah, we flew through it. I'm trying to keep us, yeah. you know, <laughs> short. Yeah. I appreciate that. I the body report it. is like uh, drinking from a fire hose. <laughs> <laughs> As long as I'm like up and chipper, you know, and haven't stayed up too late the night before. 
So what, right. what's, your latest, what's your latest feel on Monero? Uh, any, any, any changes from last week? Um, no, I mean, I, 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 it's hard for like, I can't analyze the Monero price. I think it's probably because I'm, I'm, I'm too like emotionally involved with it. Um, mm. to me, I mean, there's, there's the chance we get, like if everyone else goes down, Monero goes down, but at the same time, Monero will go down less. Like it's just holding its own, like it's holding steady here. Um, I think that this downtrending, this, this line right here, this big downtrending line, this is probably a good place to like, just imagine if things decide to take their pullback, like we've talked about. That's a line we might tend to follow down for a period of time. I think that, um, you know, maybe 120, maybe we have to go back to 100. I really hope not. But um, I think like 120, 130 is, is kind of a good place, a good, a good place to find a floor. Uh, again, let's take a look at the, uh, the wave magic. It takes a second to load. Uh, we don't need the purple. Yeah. Yeah, that's the only problem with this indicator. You have to you have to wait for it. It's doing like I mean, calculating all these lines. There's something like 500 lines being printed here right now, so it's, it takes a minute for trading view. Um, so right now we're kind of hanging out in this lower standard deviation. Um, it wouldn't surprise me to come down to the to the uh, the moving average bands. Mm -hmm. So that's right around 120. That could happen, you know, at some point here between now and the end of the year. I don't think that's the end of the world. I think it's, again, just Monero establishing a solid support. I'm saying I'm not going to go lower. I'm just hanging out here. Like, no matter how much selling pressure, how much fake Monero CZ, or how much of their mining, <laughs> their covert mining operation that they want to do, uh, you know, you're going to have a hard time um, pressing the price down any further. Uh, someone pointed out to me that uh, this looks a bit like uh, head and shoulders right here. Shoulder, mm -hmm. uh and then head. This is the XMR um, BTC ratio. So this might look like a head and shoulders. And uh, I know a lot of people kind of laugh at head and shoulders. Okay, you know, whatever. Um, it might be. And that would kind of make sense seeing how we have the other uh, the other head and shoulders from uh, XMR.D. This one is, you know, a lot. It's a lot bigger. It's still just kind of flat. It's still we're like waiting to break to the upside here. Um, Again, breaking to the upside, in my mind, on XMR.D signals risk off in the market. It signals crypto down and probably most likely stocks down. Although mm -hmm. stocks and crypto haven't been nearly as correlated as of late. So quick check on the Bitcoin price. Um, yeah, things went down, took a big dip, and then uh, then they came right back up. So it's almost like there was a little bit of fake out here. But overall, that's still not a whole lot of movement. Um, yeah, so we're up about 3% from where we left off last week. So fell about 3% and then bounced about 3%. Uh, so right now, sitting at this kind of like uh, this this down sloping resistance line that used to be the channel. Uh, if this breaks, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to like I'll be forced to abandon my like if we can like convincingly break this line, um, I might be forced to have to abandon temporarily the down thesis. I think overall the down thesis is still intact. Um, I wouldn't want to be getting long these markets for any length of time. In my mind, this crash could have just as easily bounced up and then continued falling down. So I think there's a lot of danger in these markets. Personally, the risk to reward isn't worth it for me. Um, I feel like, you know, preserving my capital at the moment is, is more important in my mind. Um, but, uh, you know, and again, like, like we've talked about, we've, we've been inverted on the yield curve for so long and we, we could be looking at recession coming up soon and recession means lower markets. Um, the, the unemployment rate is starting to rise, which is a good thing for inflation, but a bad thing for being in a recession. It's also a bad thing for the stock market. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's kind of where I see the markets at. Not too much has changed since last week. Um, stocks have been flat. They kind of, they were, they were up then they came down. Crypto was the opposite. It went down, then it came up. Um, overall things are still fairly flat and, uh, flat, you know, boring, but, uh, yeah, that's uh, those are my thoughts. This week. All right, buddy. Thank you so much. Uh, we will we will keep moving on just because we're limited today.
Appreciate it, buddy. Stick Thanks, around. Buddy. Uh, we All don't right. need Moon. We need a stable price for Monero. A stable, good price. Yeah, definitely agree with that. Monero, I, I, overall, I feel like has been relatively stable. I don't know. Maybe Body would disagree with that. Uh, but yeah, over, you know, ultimately, ultimately, we're not concerned about price. If anything, these, these are good times to you know, uh, acquire the correct perception of where you should be in terms of with crypto and Monero in general, which is building out the circular economy, man. And there's no better time than now, right? When you're less distracted by price, when things start to go haywire in either direction, people lose focus of the purpose. But since we're just kind of like hanging out, not doing much, I feel like everybody's got their head down and they're just working, which is good. Right, Tux? What do you think? How, yeah. how do you feel about the Monero ecosystem in general, you know, outside of price? I mean, yeah, no, I think the Monero ecosystem, that's one of the draws to it. Because like I see people like regardless of, you know, the market condition, right? People are just doing stuff. People are building stuff. Yeah. Now, obviously, it hurts everyone a little bit when the price goes down. Sometimes CCSs get paused and stuff like that. But I see people building stuff for Monero all the time. It's just people are always working on stuff, which is cool to see. Yeah, it's beautiful. It it going. Genuine motivation there outside of price. Um, okay, let's move move it along. I guess we'll do Dev Report next. Yeah, I think so. Let's go ahead and run that. All right, let's do it. And now for the Monero development segment. All right. Hey. Hey, what's up? Comrade, you there? Yeah. Welcome. Uh, we haven't talked in a long, long time. Yes, it's been a while. Th- thanks for, uh, you know, taking this on. I-, I offered you the opportunity and you jumped at it. Uh, well, go ahead. B- better first than than second. So, uh, Monero Vegas, uh, you've sent me a link about a Monero casino and... First of all, I think the imagination of it is really good. We haven't seen any casinos for Monero yet, but this might be the first one to make a launch for good. Uh, As we see, they give a good description of their fairness, and we also see that uh, their house edge is really good compared to other uh, uh, fiat casinos. Like fiat, it's like 10%, and this is 2 so furnace, uh, first of all, they, the server generates 250-bit uh, seed for the user, for the game. And uh, when the user is uh, on the deposit screen, uh, it shows uh, an SHA 256 hash of that. Uh, so the user doesn't know the real seed of it. Okay. Uh, and the TXID, the 32-byte uh, TXID, is de- determined by the user transaction, uh, which we see when... We initiate a, a transaction. For example, you, you choose which one do we need to test it. Yeah. What are the different? Uh, can do you explain the game a little bit? So. Uh, by, by the way, we should say. So uh, I don't. I don't know, comrade, if you're familiar. First of all, Com- comrade is, is is a super young guy, extremely talented. We've had him on here before. He worked on what was the the uh, thing that you had originally worked on? We brought uh, you- the Monero sub subplot, uh, which yeah. got paused for a bit because uh, neither me or uh, Luke had a job, so he's yes. been searching for that. Yeah, so he uh, we brought Comrade on, and he, he talked about that, and then we we met Comrade at MoneroCon in Prague, 
because we uh i think i think we're the ones that inspired you to go right i think it was yeah well you basically invited me for free so thank you again yeah. uh so that was amazing we met him in person and uh digun is no longer doing doing these dev reports so i reached out to comrade and he jumped on it but what i wanted to bring up was this isn't an entirely new concept i don't know uh comrade if you saw uh, or if you were aware i like i said you're, you're a pretty young guy so when plinko was around i mean you were probably oh M- minko yes minko you're probably only like 12 years old um but are you familiar with minko mm, no i've i've searched up Okay, so Miko Miko was the first version of this. Um, um that, that was done by Binary Fate and yep. it, it did have some good traction. I they don't all... entirely remember why he ended up closing it down. I, I don't know if it was I don't know, just didn't want to deal with potential regulatory issues or uh you know, just had a few unlike lucky streaks where he they were effectively losing more money than than gaining. Uh, but the, it has been attempted in the past, so it's interesting to see it back in action. But yeah, if you want to go ahead and actually explain yep. the game. So he, uh, the creator also mentions that uh, they are inspired by Minko, but not related. So we should, get, uh, we should keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, the game has 16 uh, levels, 16 le- levels of dots. And uh, each dot has a 50% of going uh, left or right. We see that here. Uh, but there is the house edge, which is 2%, which we see right here at the play. So, for example, if we choose the last line, mm-hmm. we, we only get our money back uh, at the f- uh, third, third dot. So it, it has to go either left or right, then left or right, then left or right. And here is uh, if it only goes right for a bit, then left for a bit. Is that if we get our money back, and uh, if it goes in the middle, which it has the most percentage of, because it's two percent usage, then we lose money. And I think we also also say that uh, we do not promote gambling in any any form. Yeah. Yes. Yes. This is true. This is for demonstration purposes only. Yes. And uh, no, uh, also, they mentioned that uh, it's legal for them to operate, but uh, people playing the games should check out their laws. Yeah, yeah. It's not that we're against gambling. It's if you want to gamble, just make sure you know you're yes, you're in a regime where it's it's legal to do so, or if it's not legal to do so, you can get away with it without getting in trouble. Yes. Uh, uh, and also, their TOS mentions that uh, you reached reached the age of majority uh, for any people around my age. I myself do not promote gambling in any way, and this is just for a test. Yes, just to uh, just to be <laughs> just. To... <laughs> yes. Don't don't worry. You're you're, out, you're outside of the U.S. We got we got a little we got a little wiggle room there as well. But yes, this the is just won't for... become knocking at your doors. We yes, are... <laughs> of course. This is just a test. We are displaying the the system here. We're going to test it out. We should say too that while it is provably fair in terms of what they've laid out, it actually is an open source, right? So nobody's seen the code. Yes. So there, there is trust involved right now. Of course. Uh, I believe Minko was actually completely open source, I believe, and you were able to look at everything. Uh, these guys, I think they, they've even said they're going to keep it closed source, right? Uh, yes, Ooh. I think uh, FAQ is, is mentioning that. Like they're going to post uh, the code, but... Um, no, I can't find it. I think I've seen it somewhere. Yes, I, uh, I saw it in the Reddit. 
Yeah, right. yeah, of course, yes. Uh, also, I haven't tested the site yet, so this will be a really good indication of uh, what it looks like for a, a user to just join and uh, test the site, if there's any complications or not. Sweet, let's do it. So, uh, Doug, you choose which which one should you try, the blue, the green, or the yellow line? Uh, let's let's go with the blue. Sure. So here we can set up, set our payout address, uh, which I will I will get from my Monero wallet. Cool. Here now I, you guys you guys can see how this could potentially become a quite addictive game. <laughs> like yes. Miko, I think uh, was doing very well. It was getting a lot of usage. Uh, it was also <laughs> beautifully designed, Miko. It was uh, very elegantly designed. Uh, this this is this is nice. A little simpler. Okay, so we insert our payout address here, and uh, we press continue. Then we get a screen showing. So uh, we can only send at least zero point zero one XMR, and uh, no, sorry, yes, and zero point four XMR maximum because uh, I think it's because their coverage. Yes, they don't want to go broke. Yes, so <laughs> we get an address which we can send the Monero to, or if we use for uh, the Monero wallet, we can use the QR codes as well. So I think I'm going to send 0.02 XMR. And let's do point 0.1. Let's let's let's, point let's, one. Make, it sure. let's make it count. Sure. Yes, sure. Uh, and I think a normal fee will be good. Of course, confirm. Even though this is for testing purposes only, we yes. might, might as well make it of count. Course. Okay, so we we get the transaction ID and we are wait, waiting for a payment to arrive at their side. And it's oh, arrived. Yes. Oh, this is a... <laughs> the sounds of it. I, I don't know if I, uh, if I hear it. Oh, yeah, I hear it. I love it. Well, we All right, won. So we got, we, right? We won uh, thousand, thousands of an XMR. Nice. All right. <laughs> Let's let it ride. Let's let it ride. Do it again. <laughs> so let's see if uh, I got it back in my wallet. And I did. So it's it's, it's in instantaneous. Oh, that's amazing. It's already yes. the transaction already was sent. Oh, wow. Yes. That's really, really cool. And just so kind of explain again. So how it, it in choosing whether it's going left or right, it's that is basically it's getting that 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 decision from somehow from the Monero blockchain is affecting it, right? Uh, yes. So uh, where did it mention? One second. So the ball hits uh, 16 times. Uh, every two bytes, the path uh, of a single ball. Uh, balls. Yes. So the game has one ball uh, because uh, of, I think, calculation issues. Maybe they will uh, implement more balls soon because this is just a beta. Okay. But if you go uh, back... Provably fair part. Um, yes, it, it, I'm it trying functions. To, trying to understand that a little bit more. Where uh, so were... basically uh, the some random. Yeah, so it, it has a fifty percent uh, probability, and the fairness uh, of it is that uh, both the game has a seed, and the user user has a TXID, uh, mm -hmm. and they are combined. So it uh, determines it by some mathematics, which I think is wrote down, wrote down here in this okay. line. So yes, the ball hits the bag 16 times. So every two bytes, 
determines the path of, of a single ball. So uh, every, every 60 minutes uh, is determined uh, one dot. So right. it's, I guess, it's. I guess I'm just not. I'm not totally understanding how. It's um, my understanding. It's the Mon- the Monero blockchain is affecting the outcome. It's, is is providing? Uh, yes. So, uh, yes, the TXID and uh, combines to fifty six bits of it. All right, and that's what's okay. So, so it's it's so creative. creative. Yes, I wonder. I wonder what other implementations of this could be. I mean, uh, the Plinko is very cool. What else can you do? I guess you could do kind of like dice games, right? I mean, what's are you guys familiar with Satoshi Dice? Uh, not really. Okay, that no. was like that was like the first, really the, the first use case of Bitcoin. I think, I think even even before it was on uh, being used on on dark markets. I could be wrong about that, but it, it was it was super early Satoshi Dice, and it was it was a gambling thing where you could gamble gamble your bitcoin and i don't know if it was provably fair though and everything and if it was based off the blockchain itself but i'm, I'm curious i guess there's other implementations you can do right it doesn't just have to be yes. plink right you could do like dice games and things like that of course uh in my opinion we could test it two more times so we, we see the fairness of it if it's really fair if it's really a fair game let's do it so i think it's only fair if we go again with blue and uh, i'll insert another do we have any idea who's behind this? Are they uh, known? Uh, there's a Reddit figure. I think they haven't mentioned any IRL names. Okay. Would be cool to get somebody. To yes, on. in my opinion, too. Another 0.01 XMR with normal fee. Oh, the problem is that, uh, you know, it's they sent the, the money already, but uh, unlock balance. Is, is lower than that, so we cannot test it right now. Oh, okay. oh how much were you trying to do? 0.1? Uh, yes, uh, 0.1. Oh, I, got you. Uh, I mean, 0.01. Oh, uh, 0.01. Here, you want me to here? I'll do it real quick. Let me open my cake. Sure. I'll just scan Thank the you. QR code. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, it's uh, anybody else wants to, wants to send additional. <laughs> Actually, let me open. Oh, yeah. Play on orange and go for the big money. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Yeah. So go orange. Uh, I, I, uh, we want to test its uh, fairness, so we'd like to uh, see three times the same color. Oh, okay. I mean, does that would that really test the fairness? I mean, kind of, because then we know if like the percentages. So if if it's three times, uh, maybe win or two times lose, one, one times win. Mm. I, I mean, once win, then we can see. Uh, if it's really a two percent, uh... right, right, right. I mean, I guess we'd have to do that many, many times to really. Yes. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> we actually built a life-size version of this and had it at DefCon. So we we got it back again. Uh, I mean. Nice. Yeah. Well, we have in, in this position. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so in, in this position, I, I think the only thing that uh, this two could lose is the transaction fee. Okay. But oh, of, of yeah. course, if if it would have hit the zero point sixty five, then then we would have lost. Let, let's go. Let's go slightly bigger and go on orange. Let's let's have some fun here. Of course. And like send a larger transaction. Yeah, I'll do. I'll do it again. Hold on. I'll I'll, I'll pay you back. Send like. Uh, how much? Send like five dollars worth. Okay. Whatever. Grab that. Uh, their maximum is zero point zero two XMR. 
people see mine. Oh, is your point? Oh, it changed. Oh, because you changed. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 because uh, we changed the. Uh, I got you. Oh, wait, what happened? Because oh, we're doing a different. So, yes. So, uh, so uh, different colors mean you can uh, win bigger. So yeah. it, it changes the maximum amount, amount so they, they don't go broke if we uh, or someone wins. Got it, got it. That is about three bucks. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do the full max. All right, it's going. <laughs> Point oh two Monero. Oh, yeah, we're making mad money. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope we don't uh, bankrupt them live on air here. <laughs> the only uh, con of this that I see is that uh, it doesn't have to be a confirmed uh, payment so yeah, someone sent, so theoretically <laughs> yes theoretically someone could explain the system uh because it doesn't have to be uh, a confirmed amount mm. can i do like a, a double spend Try, yes. trying, trying to hack it yeah if, if it can be i'm sure people will try right so it'll be interesting here we go baby uh yeah, yeah, so here we see that we oh, lost, we lost the, we lost the half. So it, it, it's, not, it's not an only win platform. That, that's why uh, I said not to really gamble. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the ultimate lesson, guys. That's the ultimate lesson. Wow, all right. Lost uh, $1.50 on that one. Well worth it, though. Well worth the entertainment of watching that ball bounce back and forth. Yeah, we built a physical version of this for DEF CON when yes. Minka was popular. Oh, that's cool. Back, back in the day. <laughs> All right. This is well, this is great. Great job, comrade. Thank you for uh, jumping in and, and well, taking the dev report. I hope for the next time I can... I, I will have to, time to make a normal presentation. No, this is... You oh, did a fantastic cool. job. Yeah, yeah. On the <laughs> spot. On the spot. Play, some, yes. Do some Monero gambling on the stream. Oh, yeah. You, you nailed it. And I, and I gave you very short notice. So greatly appreciate it, man. Um, all right. So I guess moving on so we can continue to try to keep the show short. Thanks, Comrade Blin. Thank you so much, Comrade. Right. Uh, yeah, I guess we're going to the news. Um, I think Tony on. Let's do the news. Oh, Let's do the news. Real quick. Yeah, I'll go ahead and run. You got the links, though? You have the links, right? I do. Those? Yeah, I have those all open. Uh, but I think Tony's actually coming on to do that. So he's going to have to open those. Uh, you could do viewers on stay. I don't know if anybody wants to jump up. I don't know if we'll we'll have time. On, on Mika, <laughs> and then we'll just run through the news. We'll oh, do that. Tony's coming on. Run. Okay, Tony's coming on. Run viewers on stage. Let's see if anybody wants to join us for the news. And uh, we won't let you talk too much. But if people want to come up, let's do it. It's the viewers on stage segment. It's that time where we invite you, the viewers, up on stage to comment on anything you've heard so far today, ask the guest a question, or maybe talk about one of the news topics. Come on down. Oh, Tony's here. All right, we got Tony. And if anybody wants to join us, Tux, if you could bring him up. How's it going, so Tony? <laughs> so the camera angle is going to be a bit weird because I have an external monitor. So I'm actually looking at the monitor. But this is my camera. So if you see my nose a lot. <laughs> Sorry, you, you yeah, have a beautiful nice. profile, yeah. Tony. You're, you're beautiful from every angle. So we'll, we'll <laughs> yeah, this, one, this one is the best. Can <laughs> uh, uh, you go ahead and jump in the news since Tony got on? What, what was that? that? Sorry? Can you go ahead and jump into the news now that Tony's on? Yes. Yeah, yeah, sure. news. Yeah, right. I'll run that one too. <laughs> okay, so let's do it. So um, do you want yeah, me to read one and then um, talk about it or... 
How do you yeah, want to try, try to give, give a quick little summary, and then we'll see if we, we have any comments. We have, we have like 10 minutes, so... Uh... Oh, yeah, okay. Okay, that's good. Okay, so I'm, what I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to read off the Cointelegraph stuff, because it's most, mostly C- CBDCs, and then if you have anything to say, okay, and then we move on to Twitter. Oh, stuff that's and... Tom Emmerer on. Why don't you just play the video? I sent the link of... Uh, that, that's yes. more entertaining. Play his... Okay, so we're going to play this one first. Yeah. Is the audio working? Chairman Hill, I want to thank you. Yes. It's working? Okay, so uh, before I play it, so basically Tom Emmer, um, he talked about a government tool for financial surveillance, surveillance is un-American, un-American. We must urgently develop a digital financial system that is, one, open and freely accessible to all, of course, two, without requiring permission from the government or anyone else, of course, and three, private safeguarding the user's, the user's identity. So now let's play the video. Chairman Hill, I want to thank you. Important hearing that you're holding today, and I appreciate it. Open, permissionless, and private. What do I mean by this? In our digital economy, all transactions are intermediated by banks, governments, or big tech. We must develop digital tools that function like cash. These digital assets must be open and freely accessible to all without requiring permission from the government or anyone else and private safeguarding the user's identity. These qualities are fundamental to the to a free society and unfortunately the administrative state would rather have a cashless economy run on a central bank digital currency a tool that communists have than to work to maintain our american values in the digital age the need to protect americans right to financial privacy is an all-time high that's why i introduced the anti-surveillance state act with over 50 of my colleagues this bill prevents unelected bureaucrats from creating a tool for financial surveillance if not open permissionless and private like cash, he is nothing more than a C-style surveillance that will oppress the American way of life. We're not going to uh, allow that to happen. And Mr. Chair, I'd ask, uh, I'd like to submit for the record my December first uh, letter to uh, uh, the uh, Susan Collins at the Federal Reserve Bank of Boston about their shady uh, pilot they've been running. Without mm-hmm. objection, uh, and the gentleman's time. All right. Yeah. So he basically just pitched Monero, right? Um, Yes, somebody should get on developing some kind of digital cash as soon as they possibly can. I yeah, <laughs> it's idea. a great idea, Tom. <laughs> I tried getting this guy in the show numerous times. When I when I ran for Congress after I ran, I thought I'd have uh, the ability to get him. I spoke to his office and everything, but I don't know. He dodged That's me. That's interesting. That was, I didn't even see that video yet. I, I saw it people sending it around that's huh yeah i I will say i think it's interesting that he's dodged me so much with not wanting to come on the show um (laughs) but i've seen i've seen him on uh what's that chick's name she's a big z casher so he's naomi brockwell i've seen him on naomi brockwell show talking about uh you know i think z cash came up so it's he's implying monero without directly saying it because he's not allowed to say monero (laughs) yes but i guess what i want to get out too is like the z cash community or z corp or you know they do a very good job at getting to these types of people hmm. um mm-hmm. monero community needs needs to do a better job at that i mean also i guess we, we don't really care we're out here just doing our own thing building the tech no because mm-hmm. we don't want you know we're not we're not here trying to um fit the legal system or you know whatever no we're not but it also helps right like that's why i ran for congress in 2020 like for all the things he's saying right like 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 make monero monero america's um, america's crypto it aligns with our, our ideals but it's, it's just interesting to see that he still is like not really talking about monero even though he's literally describing monero so uh, uh, it's very important i mean people do a lot of amazing work but in the confines of the walls 
but then you do need to step up eventually and the community needs to, so that people know of Monero, not just the small community. So we need to make sure that we reach to these people. Like yeah, it's, it's not, uh, not not saying bend, a, bend a knee in any way, no, but let's, no, yeah. let's, let's have the public debate, especially if it's eventually going to come down to them trying to ban Monero, right? We need to make mm-hmm. sure that uh, we properly express why it aligns with the ideals of a free and open society. Yeah. All right, next, next story. Keep moving. Uh, one more thing. So he also mentioned that the administration has made it clear President Biden is willing to compromise the American people's right to financial privacy for surveillance-style CBDC. Um, so I'm happy that we have someone in um, that can pitch to Congress anti-CBDC, and it's not, not just everybody agreeing with CBDC. Glad that we have an opposite force as well. But then we have Wyoming with the stablecoin. So our state digital currency is even possible. Now, this one is interesting because what if we're not just going to have the US dollar, but then every single state is going to have their own digital currency. Um, in April, a similar in- initiative was proposed in Texas as well, where lawmakers introduced bills for creating a state-based digital currency backed by gold, which is very interesting. Uh, but they said that Wyoming needs to be able to, trans- to transact in a digital currency to accept payments, to make payments, and to do so without risk. The Wyoming stable co- token is the solution uh, to that challenge and then they also mentioned um i think i'm not sure where exactly oh yeah the era of multiple stable coins so neither the u.s federal reserve nor any crypto focused reg- legislators have re- um, reacted publicly to the wyoming project but it is hard to imagine any kind of affirmative response given that the american dollar was established precisely to provide the countrywide monetary standard and bring the currency under the purview of the federal government so uh the they're basically saying that we're not issuing a new currency. The Wyoming stablecoin is a digital rep- representation of a U.S. dollar held in trust by the state of Wyoming on behalf of the token holder. We are not competing with the Federal Reserve. We are enabling a technology. So uh, Wyoming and Texas are so far onto these types of um, projects. Uh, then we have Israel, Hong Kong, uh, complete retail CBDC test emphasizing privacy, inclusivity. So Hong Kong, Bank of Israel, and the Bank for International Settlements teamed up to address the com- complex issues of RCBDCs. And um, they mentioned that, um, see where it was exactly, because there's uh, the Hong Kong, Israel, and one more country, I think, but they don't want to mention it for some reason. Uh, but in the, so the project the project is called Sela, and in the Sela ecosystem, the central bank that issues an RCBDC maintains a ledger for it with pseudo-anonymous end-user accounts and provides instantaneous settlement with real-time gross settlement system. So pseudo-anonymous is like in Bitcoin. Yes, it might be a large string and you're not going to know that, oh, this is Tuxedo or this is Dog. But guess what? That string will be attached to your passport, your ID or something. So then even if it's pseudo-anonymous, they will still be able to know that it's you. So basically, you're not going to have <laughs> privacy. <laughs> They're emphasizing pseudo-anonymity, but it's not full-on privacy that we want. And then we have SWIFT and rolls free central banks in CBDC interoperability, beta test, expand sandbox. And here we have uh, Hong Kong again, the central bank of Kazakhstan and an unnamed central bank. So I'm really wondering which country this is as well. Um, so yeah, they've joined the beta phase of bank messaging platform SWIFT's central bank digital currency interoperability, interop, interoperability project. <laughs> uh, the company announced September um, 13th. So a lot of countries are are onto it. Uh, Swift is a big uh, company. Swift Messaging connects over 11,500 financial institutions worldwide. So it's big. 
and they will include a wholesale CBDC project in conjunction with the New York Federal Reserve Bank using a regulated liability. So um, everybody is working on CBDCs. Now, uh, quick mention, Monero Vegas, you can uh, check it out. So oh, sure. uh, the website, if you want to gamble with Monero. <laughs> you yeah, we, we, just, we just did that. We just did a whole thing on that. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, 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 you can see that. Um, and Vegas, then let's mention the hypocrisy of the Zcash leadership has reached new heights. On August 8th, 2022, the same day Tornado Cash was sanctioned, they released a blog post which said, um, this is a long post, I'm not going to read the whole thing. Obviously. Yeah, so this uh, was, I'll, I'll try to explain this a little bit. So the whole privacy pools thing, uh, we talked about, I did a show on it last week or had somebody that came on and talked about it. privacy pools is, uh, it's, it's a new proposal. Um, similar to Tornado Cash, it's for Ethereum, and basically the solution that they're they're trying to implement is that people can effectively mix their coins while also proving in a zero knowledge proof way that they haven't mixed their coins with any undesirable coins. And so uh, Zuko came out and uh, is a, is opposed to this concept for all the reasons that many in the Monero community are opposed. It's kind of taking a guilty to proven innocent approach, right? Uh, as opposed to Monero, where we assume that we're all all innocent uh, until proven guilty. Uh, with privacy pools, it's that they're effectively uh, move, moving everybody in a direction where we uh, can have our privacy if we're willing to comply with the government. Uh, so is that is that really privacy at the end of the day? Is that default privacy? Or is that lead to a system where governments can essentially manipulate and censor based on who they're putting on these ban lists, right? So that's where the censorship comes in. So it sounds great in theory that you could have a system where your coins never mix with bad people's coins. But who's deciding who the baddies are, right? That's always been the problem. That's why we fear fear totalitarian governments, because they're the ones that determine who's good and who's bad. And yeah, we may all think that some some group that's just out there murdering people is bad. But if it's some political group, some minority political group that may have some opinions that disagree with the political party in power, they may not necessarily be ethically bad. Uh, but the government may decide to ban them, right? It's what we saw with the Canadian trucker rally and why Monero actually really kind of really got on the radar as being this tool for censorship resistance. And here we are, we have Vitalik pushing the entire crypto ecosystem towards more of a compliance way of dealing with privacy and building compliance essentially into privacy tools. And it's kind of ironic that Zuko is out here now arguing against it when he is very much, I wouldn't say pro-compliance, but he, well, and I guess I would say that. I mean, all his actions, right? Uh, the things, the decisions that they've made in Zcash have always been with taking into account what the, the regulators are saying and what the governments are saying and making sure that, you know, everything is at the end of the day compliant. It's why we see Zcash on exchanges, for example, in New York City, and we don't see Monero listed on any. Um, but yeah, if you want to play, I think there is a, that it, you could play a clip from this. I highly recommend people to actually check this this interview out. I would have loved, yeah. loved to get these two guys on myself. That would be amazing. But you could just play. Before maybe you do that, 
I gotta run. Are you good, Doug? To yeah. build industry. I think we're good. Thank you, Tuck, so much. All right. for Thanks, making guys. Thanks for coming on, Tony. Thank you. Have a good afternoon. Have a good weekend, man. Yeah. Cheers. Bye, Tuck. Anybody Bye. notice that the guy in the top right looks like a like Terry Davis? Yeah, 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 yeah. He does. <laughs> I know who Terry Davis is. Who's Terry Davis? Terry Davis. Uh, All right, whatever. Genius, but, uh, uh, look alike, kind of. Yeah. Let's uh, let's play that clip from or play some of this video, maybe from like the fifty-three minute mark. I think was an interesting point. Oh, uh, I think it was like fifty. Yeah, because then he talks to talk about Coinbase. But one thing, Zcash is actually on Coinbase. So the fact that Zcash was, which is a privacy enabling crypto, is on Coinbase. Which Coinbase is a heavily regulated exchange. I think that's a red flag. Right. And so he, he's he's opposed yeah. to privacy pools. Although, if you listen to his whole conversation, he kind of gets convinced by Vitalik. Uh, he's not. I think he walks away less opposed, but he's fundamentally, according to him, philosophically opposed to this idea of I think building tools that lean towards, uh, you know, assuming that people are guilty until proven innocent which is slightly ironic or hypocritical given his willingness to 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 bend the knee with zcash um mm-hmm. but maybe he would disagree with that and i, I don't want, i don't want to go at zuko too hard he's already got me blocked on twitter so i, yeah. I would like to one day maybe talk to him <laughs> um pay, play 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 the clip let's play the video yeah, yeah. i'm very like it, it makes me feel good what and point I'm, is this I'm what mark is this what was that? What play from? Uh, okay, fifty-three. All right, go ahead. Yeah, fifty-three. Yeah, because then he talks about uh, Coinbase and yeah, yeah, yeah. Play that. If you want to draw lessons from Zcash, you can love it or whatever. But um, like, like you mentioned, it's supported in all the regulated like Coinbase. <laughs> um, there's no detectable levels of evil terrorists using it, um, even though it has far more users than Tornado Cash ever had, as far as I can tell. Right. And and I think this is really useful for teaching policy makers because I'm very wary of hypothetical and vaporware as teaching people the wrong things, right? Um, and I think I think it's very useful to be able to say to people like, "Look, this." this- I think at this point he gets into like a whole nother conversation. Do you want me to keep going, or do you want me to let, let it go a little part? bit? Yeah, you can let it go a little bit. Yeah, okay. It exists. It has existed for a long time. It's got lots of using it for all these totally normal purposes. <laughs> anyway. I don't know how I got onto that. Let's go. Let it go. Let it go. We spent, yeah. And we spent no, let it considerable oh, pause it? time energy. No, let it let it keep going. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I didn't stop it. So that's why we had these where after the Koi Tech hack in 2008, Zcash was effectively de facto banned in Japan because uh, yeah. it was an easy button in Japan. Yeah. Yeah. So even though no Zcash was involved, no Zcash was stolen by the Coin Check hackers, right. and no Zcash was used by the Coin Check hackers in their subsequent operations. But nonetheless, the response was, let's ban Zcash so that we can do something. Yeah, and it wasn't something Zcash, it was done, anything that was, something. you know, yeah, it was anything that was privacy protecting, right? Yeah. And and I think they, they like in the case of, exa- of Japan, for example, the, the regulators have gotten a lot more intelligent about this stuff over the years and a lot smarter. We spent a lot of time, and I know others have spent a lot of time providing that education. And the narratives have even kind of shifted a little bit. So it's not even just privacy is a concern, but privacy plus self-custody or the ability to have self-custody. Because if I have self-custody and I can obfuscate kind of information, then I can evade capital controls and I make the fund of money into different places. So the dynamics that have, have shifted. But I think, you know, in those early years, and we got called in. We got called in there. We got called into the U.S. government and various departments. We got called in. About how this stuff works. 
and kind of an understanding. And we were also, um, it, it's we've been it's been hinted at that we take you know we figure out other kinds of solutions that might be um, amenable to the government where they would effectively have a backdoor to access information. You're saying people accuse us of creating a backdoor for the government? No, no, no. The government has requested that oh. that be included. Um, <laughs> that's come up multiple times. I would, at I would qualify that by saying a specific, like two or however many specific actors within the government have dropped that hint, right? Yes, but in an official capacity. Um, this is interesting. Yeah, okay. so, so, so this. The part yeah. government yeah. have yeah. dropped that hint. But it's like a non-starter for like to, to you know, you're talking about Paul's work, um, you know, on Hill and with, with folks working on policy. Like it's a non-starter for a huge chunk of, um, you know, of our, our political folks who are working on policy who want access to things like, uh, you know, a digital cash. They want access to, they, they don't, and they kick against anything that would allow themselves or regulators in the U.S., this country and how we love, to, to have that, that kind of access. So. It's not a. It's not a. Uh, it's not a, a one-dimensional. This is what the government. It's a very nuanced kind of conversation. Yeah. So what you're saying um, is there are other. Can I clarify? Because I make sure yeah. I understand what you're saying, Josh. You're saying there's other actors like um, senators or congressmen or other departments or someone who have basically have opposite strategy or opposite values or opposite desired policy. Is that what you're saying? Yep. Or did I totally misunderstand again? Nope. That's totally what I'm saying. But that reminds me of something that I don't know. Fidelic probably doesn't know this story. Um, a zillion years ago, you had to get a bit license if you wanted your New York exchanges or exchanges that had New York customers or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And so we went to New York several times and gave like lectures and tutorials to the New York Department of Financial Services because they're the people who add coins to the bit license whitelist. And we explained all about like cryptography and encryption and all this stuff, right? And then they called us back for another meeting and we were a little confused because we had, there were no further questions. Like we'd already explained everything. So we were like, why are we going back? Okay, let's go back. So we all flew to New York and this time they had like the whole department lined up on their side of the giant long table. And to open the meeting, um, the head of the department gestured to his colleague and said, we all agree that we don't want the pocketbooks of our friends and families exposed to everyone on the internet. And it was like, oh, that's why they called us back to say that they've, they've decided that they too value consumer protection and the protection of society. Um, and that's why they're approving Zcash to be one of their whitelisted coins. So the point of the story is, I, I think there's a few mistakes that you make, especially because of the intense, like the, the heartbreak and the uh, heist for the Tornado Cash developers and for you and my friend Virgil and so forth. Um, I think there's some easy mistakes to make that j just like, I think regulators are uh, easily confused by all the things they don't know, and easily played by someone who tells them, "I'll sell you a, I'll sell you a new technology that does everything you want." I see. I think likewise, we cryptocurrency people are easily sort of um, overgeneralized by all the things we don't know, and say, "Oh, the government is definitely going to ban privacy because it can't tolerate privacy." When in fact, that's that's a very complicated, nuanced thing, in my experience. All right, all right, all right. We could cut it there. Yeah, um, that's, that's I recommend good. listening to the whole. The whole obviously, I, this is like you know, I, I love this. This is a great. It's really engaging. Like it really, yeah. it's very and interesting. It, you know, Vitalik and mm -hmm. uh, Zuko. These these guys are, are 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 big brains from the You know, like them or not, for whatever. I mean, they're they're amazing. What they've done for the space is amazing. Yes.
and uh zuko is he's an interesting character man i mean he love he's super super old school crypto from the very i think he was like the one of the right wasn't he the one of the first guys interacting uh with with satoshi he was he was among one one of the first um and so you know much respect to him it's 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 fun to to watch what he has to say here and talk talk about the history like uh you know they they were zcash was approaching you know these exchanges and and the and the regulators and that's how they were getting listed in new york interesting interesting which makes makes complete sense uh but i don't know what do you guys think alaska ana man what what do you think you have any opinions here what's what's your what is your take on zcash i don't know if i ever heard your your zcash take i think one of the funniest things about what was just said is uh the people at the table are saying, yeah, we don't want our data out on the internet, but these are the same people that believe that they are entitled to a back door. They're they're entitled to look into these. And uh, there's there's a saying about um, the the most terrifying tyrant is the one that believes he's tyrannizing you for your own good, right? Well, I have to have this power. So I can protect you, but you should definitely not have this power, this like holier than thou mindset. Um, But then you look over here on the left at Vitalik and he's kind of floating the same idea. Like, well, we'll make lists of, you know, compromised stuff and we'll just keep them out of the pool. But you can still have privacy and my coins will still be anonymous but we just have to keep those guys out. It's the same idea, right? And then the irony of somebody who has shielded and unshielded transactions also trying to make the same case, but in a different way, right? Where it's like, well, some transactions don't need to be private, but other ones do. So it's just three layers of the same absolutely ridiculous position only they're like a little more quiet about the fact that they're yeah. tyrants, right? Great, great assessment. Yeah, I think that, that's what that's what I'm struggling with. It right there's there's hypocrisy there. When Vital- Vitalik had asked had asked Zuko, like, what well, you know, are you worried about Zcash? Are they going to try to you know try to ban Zcash? And he always it kind of came up multiple times. He'd always go back to this point. Well, actually. Uh, it, it's been shown that that no bad people are using Zcash. You kind of always yeah. go back to that point, like, but you know, no, nobody. We, we've done studies or whatever, and no, nobody bad is using Zcash. The thing with Tornado Cash is it was uh, they were using it was hackers that were trying to to wash Ethereum. He's like nobody. It's it's different because there's nobody. He kept suggesting that it's like nobody bad is using Zcash, which is not a good answer. To that, to that question. I mean, inevitably, bad people are going to use your technology if it's permissionless, uh, and you need you need a better answer than that. You can't be Mister, you know, privacy for all and um, innocent until proven guilty, yet like unwilling to realize that bad people are going to use use your tech because you you ju- otherwise you just find yourself bending the knee to regulators. So it's like he's trying to be this guy that's not bending the knee to regulators when his actions speak otherwise, I feel like. That's a very good point from both of you. And uh, it's like with cash. We have 
rapists, we have, you know, people that use cash dollars, you know, you can't not have them use that form of money. You're going to have criminals, terrorists, rapists, and so on use that form of money. You can't just have a, a clean Zcash, only benevolent people are using it. That's not, that's not a good answer. Like in Monero, yeah, we have a lot of people that use it for good stuff. Uh, but then we also have people that use it for terrorist acts and so on. Of course, we don't want that, but it's going to happen. Yep, yep. Uh, body all on the dime of their user base and that twenty percent dev tax, which is which is an important point. I mean, I think that that is a weakness for the Zcash project. Well, uh, if you put this into the context of that guy who is talking about the government's coming with their CBDCs and we want private anonymous digital cash, mm-hmm. and this is a guy who's collecting his dev tax, talking about how we need privacy. And then, like the the government collects their dev tax, right? Like we allow you to exist freely, so you owe us money. And then there's this guy over here talking about, oh, bad people aren't using my stuff, and you know, collecting his twenty percent dev tax and offering the choice of privacy. It's it's all the same charade. It's just like a different way of doing it. Like they they're all doing the same thing, though. Where like there already exists freedom for everyone, but everybody has like their one group that they eat, that they don't like and their one group that they like. And they're just trying so hard to find a way to exclude these guys and include these guys. And right. yeah. <laughs> yeah, the dev tax, in my opinion, is going to be an issue uh, given what we saw with Tornado Cash, right? Because it becomes proof that there's this centralized component to Zcash and there's this group of individuals that benefit from the use of Zcash, which was one of the underlying issues in the, in the Tornado Cash case, right? Is that these people were profiting from this tool that people were using in nefarious ways. Um, Monero, I believe, has done a better job at making the tool just a pure open source tool where there is no distinct group that is benefiting from the usage of it. There is no corporation behind Monero. All right. But regardless uh, of whether you agree with Vitalik and Zalko or you don't, uh, because of these two, now people think about privacy at least, because there's, I think there's three levels. One, people didn't think about privacy, then they discover maybe these two talk about privacy, and then they look into it and then they might think, oh, this is not really the privacy that I want. It doesn't make sense. And then they go into the third level, which is the Monero type of privacy. So even if we have a step in the middle, I think it's still appreciated that they talk about privacy and they lead people in the right direction eventually. So Yep, yep. Yeah, all, all good stuff for the movement in general. My question stuff. is, is how is he doing these studies where he was verifying that no bad guys were using his currency and then touting the... Yeah, I think there, was a, there was a RAND report done, I think, at one point. That was that has been referenced. Uh, that that group Rand is always involved in the like the sketchy, the sketchy. Yeah, shit. like the but, same people behind the Rand Contra are now yeah. going. <laughs> I don't know. It's like the CIA funded Rand. Like I don't know Rand Rand Corporation. They they always do these these studies for the government. Uh, but yeah, it's it's just a horrible thing to lean on. Be like, well, it's actually not used for for crime that much. Um, yeah, the that, world's largest hey. criminal organization that moves the most cocaine worldwide has told us that we are totally a legitimate organization, not guilty right. of any kind yeah. of crime. Yeah, 
people don't use when people want to do bad stuff they don't use zcash when they want privacy they use zcash but never if they want to do anything bad will they use it <laughs> if it costs your life i mean you don't want to risk so you might as well use monero it's just especially yeah. when it comes to privacy um let's talk about lightning network um so self, pri self for privacy obviously he's very very well versed in it uh bitcoin lightning network uh, monero of course so he talks about he said, not going to lie, most of the time using Lightning is I just absolutely hate it. And this comes from a person that is very, very well versed in IT. And then this is supposed to be a technology that is used by your grandma, your, your grandpa. Yeah, and Seth has really tried to give it a fair shot. You know, uh, I think a lot of us in the Monero land are just like, screw you, uh, Lightning, for various reasons. But Seth has really tried to, with an open mind, yes, uh, see the good. In the lightning network and it seems like he's concluding that it's not all it's cracked up to be and it's very important because so he likes monero but it's very important that he also battle tested bitcoin and all its tools because it's very important not to remain focused on okay monero is the best and i don't care about anything else it's good to venture out and say test out zcash test out bitcoin lightning network like be open-minded and then that's when you truly show that you care about privacy and not the name Monero, because ultimately we care about what Monero does and not the name Monero. So he talked about Lightning Network. He just wanted to send $175 and he said it's literally impossible because of routing failures. And he talked about the process. Then he mentioned um, Phoenix and he said that this tool has been better for him. But so they this tool, Phoenix, they do all the routing for you, but you gave up 100% of your privacy. So do you want them to handle everything and then you lose your privacy or so? I didn't even know that on the Phoenix wallet. Like, wait, what, what's the deal with the really? Yeah, he said, yeah, you know why? Because they do all the routing and thus you give up 100% of your privacy to Phoenix. And he said, that oh. write-off isn't worth it for me. And like, it's not worth it. Oh, they're saying later versions will eventually be private. Okay. Yeah, the, the one time I used Lightning, it was, I was, I used Phoenix because that was Peter Oh, really? Tim. Peter Todd wanted me to pay him, and he recommended I use Phoenix. And I've talked about this numerous times. It ended up being a real pain in the ass. And I had to pay like $8 in transaction fees or whatever it was, five five bucks in, in Bitcoin just to send my Bitcoin to the Lightning Network. And then the Lightning transaction itself ended up costing as much as a Monero transaction. It wasn't like it was, you know? It, and and the, the worst part was he had sent me an address to send to an invoice they called in lightning and then the invoice expired when i went to send mm -hmm. i finally was ready to send and I had to resend it it was a horrible user experience such a hassle i think the that most Phoenix, of... which is supposed to be like the uh, theoretically the easiest way yeah you're losing your privacy as you do i wonder how long those uh transactions those lightning uh invoices take to expire because uh, you could have used Trocador because they support Bitcoin Lightning where you can just send Monero to Trocador and then they'll send Lightning to whoever you want. I should have. I should have, obviously. Lesson, lesson learned. I was, you know, trying to go along with Peter Todd and he, he wanted to teach me how great Lightning was. So <laughs> I, I went through the exercise, right? Like the... You tried. <laughs> yeah, if, if anything, it probably taught you how not, uh, like why not to use Lightning. <laughs> Right, exactly. You know, but you, you got to give these things the benefit of the doubt, like Tony's saying, which is why Seth is so respected among uh, a lot, a lot of a lot of the crypto community, not just Monero people, because he does approach things with an open mind, and he has the ability to actually analyze this stuff. And it's interesting to see, despite all that, 
he's realizing that lightning really isn't working out. There's a, a privacy podcast called the Watchman Privacy Podcast. I think it's, and Seth was on it. I think he was on it twice. And there was one podcast about how to be private with Bitcoin. And then one pro- podcast on how to be private with Monero. Uh-huh. And you had to have the most like ludicrous tech savvy brain to follow the bitcoin privacy guide stuff and you know i've been doing this for a decade and i still there was all kinds of stuff that was just making my head and then he gets into the monero one it's like oh yeah you just kind of use it and it just works (laughs) and and then like the whole the whole podcast was about like the philosophy of why freedom money is so great or whatever and it's like that by itself, like it, it just trying to use Bitcoin privately derails the entire underlying philosophy, like the entire initiative behind why I was attracted to Bitcoin in the first place is undermined by the fact that it is like impossible to use with regular people. Yeah, I feel like um, Lightning Network is good if you're an Arch Linux user for the people that know, <laughs> but if we really wanted to use it like as a form of money for everybody, like your grandma, your grand grandma, whatever, it should be something like Monero because it's so simple. You just press, you just type in the address in cake, in cake wallet, you can even put emojis and you can I send pay it to my three-year-old in Monero and he knows how to yeah. use it. If a, yeah. if a lightning transaction is like using arch, then Monero is like using windows. It's just that much easier. Yeah, I think, you, I think you said Linux Mint wrong. It's not Windows. It's Linux. Mint. Oh, okay, or Ubuntu. Yeah. By the way, I'm, I'm I am running I'm running Manjaro, but it's such a pain in the ass. By the way, um, so yeah, it's complicated. Monero is just is just simple. I mean, if you can just you can literally set up for your grandma the emoji in Cake Wallet, uh, Christmas tree, the boss emoji, and you send money, and that's it. <laughs> Or you can just copy paste the address and send the money. It's really easy. Um, but the last thing that uh, we're gonna mention for this week's episode is, and th- this really pisses me off when, whenever it comes to this topic. It's really the population and all that stuff. Uh, Dr. Mike uh, Yedon, a former vice president at Pfizer, on how digital ID in conjunction with CBDCs could be used to depopulate the planet with plausible deniability. Something some people think that the, the planet is overpopulated. Something it's underpopulated. We're not gonna discuss this, of course. It's a really uh, long topic, but uh, when I saw the design of the vaccines, this is in quotation marks, I knew they were going to injure and kill people. So these are people who don't mind bumping off a few million, a few tens of millions. And part of these millions of, or a few tens of millions could have been uh, your friend's family and I lost family. My friends lost some family members, like mom and dad from it. So it's really not nice. Uh, and the oncoming digital ID and the necessity to have it all for have it for all purposes and the cashless CBDC. If there was someone who was a bad intent running that, they can make you do anything, like going to get an injection that you don't need that might be poisonous, which is what I think they'll probably do. A condition of continued validity, in which you require to get money or enter shops, buy an air ticket, uh, or even get uh, get on a train, is dependent on. Uh, you staying up to date, and I think most people will just keep getting the jabs and hoping it wouldn't get them this time. This is what the video talks about, and it's true. Like for example, in Romania, if you wanted to go to the mall, you had to prove that you took the vaccine, and now nobody asks you anything. Even in coffee shops or libraries, if you wanted to go, or even like your job, and now that people took the vaccine, not all of them. I think Romania is pretty low when it comes to vaccine vaccination vaccination rate, and Bulgaria, I think too. 
Um, but if you didn't have it, you couldn't go to a coffee shop. You couldn't go look for books and you know, do whatever you want to do. And now nobody asks anything. Nothing. That's when you. you that's that. when you go to Empire and uh, and buy one of those fake vaccine pass uh, pass cards or whatever off of like the the dark net. Not legal advice. Monero. Legal advice. Yeah. <laughs> and there are other means as well. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but it's so. It's, you know, one of the things about this, and I don't know if to, uh, if you've thought about this, Tony, or whatever, but. A lot of people, they say, you know, when they're talking about CBDCs, they're always talking about like, ah, oh, so the tax man can get his cut. The people need to realize like, these are the people that print money. They're not like hungry for your money. It's yeah. about knowing what you do with your money. So you can be algorithmically gleaned based on your thought crimes or based on how much raw milk you drank the other day or whatever. It's about knowing how you spent what money you have in order to in order to create more uh effective profile it has nothing to do with collecting taxes i think yeah a very good point and it's the truth i think what we, need, what we need to do we need to take every single politician we're going to open a monero wallet for them we're going to take them to an ayahuasca trip make them do mushrooms whatever <laughs> so they have spiritual Monerotopia, and they'll basically get that experience <laughs> they'll find their way to the good parts <laughs> exactly come to Monerotopia, we'll hook you up with monero you can take some mushrooms and uh then you're gonna be wide awake i mean you know silver line lining once again with all this is we're just seeing more and more of this out there on the internet beyond just you know conspiracy theory forums people are aware of the dangers of cbdc's we have politicians that are out there speaking out against them people are aware of the dangers of digital ids they're aware of the danger of combining them given what we saw with covid and the vaccine passports so there is this awareness that is growing and that's that is the silver lining here like yes it's bad that it appears we are moving in this direction but silver lining is we're out there. Every, people are out there talking about it. Uh, yeah, maybe they're getting censored in some ways, but the information is getting out there more than ever, right? We're not just relying on all tuning into TV controlled by big pharma. And it's like you you watch the one news source. Uh, you know, Twitter's not perfect, but the information's getting out there. A lot of misinformation too. But we are seeing these things discussed and it's seeping into the minds of, of a lot of people. And that will bring them towards privacy tech and towards Monero, straight up. Yes, inevitable. Um, <laughs> All right. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll end it here in general. Um, yeah. Wait, hold on. I will try to. So, guys, uh, thanks everybody for joining. Uh, we will see you again next week. We do the shows every Saturday, eleven a.m. Eastern, same time, same place. Uh, see you guys all next week. So long. You guys next week. Have a good weekend and week. Bye. God Ciao. bless. Ciao. There you go. Thank yeah. you for joining us on this week's Monerotopia episode. We stream live shows every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern. You can find and subscribe to our show on YouTube and Odyssey or listen to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter or join us in the Monerotopia Telegram group. See you all next week.